0: No but i get going. And my big ten inch.
1: All right, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode two of the freshman parking lot. I'm Brian Bosch. Got Justin Fry and Brad Geffert along with me. Um, first, we want to thank everybody for tuning in and watching last week. Uh, honestly, we just started doing this because we thought it would be fun. And in, in a week, we've had 115 views, which I'd imagine once you get to about 116, YouTube starts paying you for this, I think.
0: <laughs> my, wife did, my wife did ask if uh, I was taking this up every week, if she was going to start getting a cutout of what we're making.
1: Well, I asked my son um, on Thursday morning last week after we recorded what it takes to start making money, and he kind of told me that we're we're not very close.
0: All right. Well, hey, everybody has goals and aspirations in life. Right. Well, only one
1: way to go is up. Only one way to go is up. Um, So, hey, welcome to our May Day episode of the Freshman Parking Lot. Um, May Day being May 1st, obviously we're a week late here, but uh, one thing. I was curious in your guys neighborhood growing up, did you guys have a any may Day tradition at all? Not mine no, so I grew up in a house with three boys, and one block over there was a house with i think there was two girls and they might have had a brother as well but uh, the the two girls were one of my my age and one of my brother's age, and we would do like the ding dong ditch thing where you'd ring the doorbell bell and run away but on May Day, they would do it to us, and we would do it to them. We'd leave like a May Day basket full of candy. It was the cutest little thing ever. <laughs> um, growing up, actually, we would have water fights with that family too. And I mean, looking back on it now, that probably should have been the coolest thing ever—having water fights with girls. But uh, I don't think we realized it at the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the only thing I got from the story is that. The neighbors might have had a boy in the family, but you don't remember. There was only two girls that you remember. You're not wrong. (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) All right. If you gave them a shout out, would they listen to the podcast?
1: uh, I am friends with one of them on Facebook, but I think it all of a sudden got awkward now. So I'm
2: not even going to mention names. (laughs) Yeah. All of a sudden, she's thinking of you thinking of her in a wet (laughs) t-shirt. Okay, is a family show here. <laughs> oh, all
1: of a sudden, I hope we don't have any viewers this week. <laughs> oh, it's no. Be... Oh. no, we're good.
2: Yeah. Well, Brian, so, why don't anyway, you
1: start us off here?
2: Yeah. Hey, May first. Um, just kind of looking back through the the records this past week, thinking about different baseball events that have occurred on May first. We came across May first, nineteen ninety. Where a couple of pretty big events occurred in baseball history. Um, number one, you've got Ricky Henderson, the greatest ever, breaking Lou Brock's all-time stolen base record. And you've got Nolan Ryan throwing his record seventh no-hitter. And so we thought we'd take a few minutes this this evening and and talk with you a little bit about those.
1: It it's funny you say. It. Uh, Ricky Henderson the greatest ever because I, I believe, I believe he told us that that day.
2: <laughs> Just in case you didn't know. He's going to make sure we know. Yeah. Well, I um, love it when you.
0: Go ahead. When you, when you brought up the topic last week and we were talking about it, you know, obviously the day is important. and the, Both of those events were, were pretty great things. Uh, But my mind automatically went to just like the cultural icons that what those guys meant to baseball, what those guys meant to kids growing up, and the fact that each of them played over within four decades, you know, you're talking, you know, their lifespan in baseball um, had such a lasting impact. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get rolling today.
1: Yeah, uh, Nolan Ryan, 27 seasons, and I believe Ricky Henderson was
2: 21 or 24 seasons, somewhere in there. Yeah, and, and Ricky tried to play more. He played in the minor leagues and independent leagues after his MLB career <coughs> was done, waiting for a call back up to the show. Okay. So he, he just kept the trucking. Well, Ricky had a – he must have been fast from the
1: beginning of his life because he was born on Christmas Day – in Chicago, in the backseat of a car. he Really? <laughs> he he must have just, he came that quick, I guess. Um, backseat of a car. Uh, and, Brad, I, I like that you said, you know, what they meant to kids growing up, because that's kind of when all of us were growing up. Uh, I remember both hating him and loving him for exactly all the same reasons. Like Absolutely. He he wasn't humble at all. You know, the, the, the catching the fly ball and with one hand and snapping it down um, the talking in the third person, uh, the flashy neon green Mizuno batting gloves. I mean, he was, he was, he was an entertainer. That's for sure.
0: Absolutely. Well- And what what kid didn't want to get that lead off of first base and start acting like Ricky on the base paths right and after that day that may Day, when he rips the base up and he holds it up. How many of us went to our local ball diamonds and did that exact same thing. Guilty (laughs) as charged.
1: (laughs) Absolutely um by the way Ricky was thrown
2: out twice in that game. Okay, so um, he wanted it. He was going for it. He was he was going for it. Well, well, it, it makes sense. Lou Brock was in the stands. He wanted yeah. Lou Brock to be there on the day he broke it. The plan was for Lou Brock and Ricky to make a speech, kind of together, when it happened. That never happened. Ricky got a little got a little caught up in the moment. Well,
1: I think I even read somewhere this week that he and Lou Brock had
2: worked on a speech together. Yeah, from what I understand, he had it in his back pocket. He just – he went off script. I am the greatest. And came up with I'm <laughs> the greatest. <clears throat> Which – You can't argue he's, he's the, he's, he is the greatest leadoff hitter of all time. Agreed. Agreed. do so, you
0: have a chance to
2: – What's that?
0: Do you have a chance to listen to his uh, Hall of Fame induction speech at all? No. I did not. Well, I'm sure I did, bu- but I don't remember it. He busts that back out, and he goes, something of, I am the greatest and most humble of all time.
1: <laughs>
0: oh. So at least he thoroughly embraced who Ricky was, because Ricky's
2: just being Ricky. Yeah. What, one of the cool things about Ricky Henderson is, who you see on the field is who he is, like, Behind the closed door, I think. He's yeah. not putting on a show for the fans. That's literally who he is. And there's all kinds of funny, hilarious, great stories about Ricky Henderson and what he did and what he said to kind of show us that.
1: Yeah. Um, there, there's just so many stories. I, I mean, we, we talked this week, Fry, about how those uniforms fit. And oh, I love I love it. You know, the, the, the uniforms now, it's like they're wearing pajama pants. Well, those were, those were uh, form-fitting, let's just say.
2: Well, those, those uniforms that those guys wore back in the 80s, they showed you how, what or how athletic, perhaps, Major League Baseball players are. When you watch them today with the baggy uniforms, you know that they're athletic, but you don't see that chiseled body Yeah. like you do in some other sports. Well, and how do
1: you think Ricky got that chiseled body? Any ideas? I mean, are, are we thinking he was a weight room guy? Are we thinking he's a steroid guy? I,
2: I don't know if he's attached to steroids or not. Okay,
1: because I, I have two funny stories about this.
2: Okay. First of all,
1: um, when he was 40, he was on the mats. And the young guys would talk about how, well, if you see Ricky come and put a shirt on, because it's going to be embarrassing when a 40-year-old has a better body than you do. And Ricky said, "Yeah, you know, I don't lift. I I walk through the weight room. What you you see is all natural (laughs) from push-ups, sit-ups, toe raises, and a bowl of ice cream every single night before bed. (laughs) And then... The other one, we, we've talked about all these stories about Ricky talking in the third person on steroids. He says, and by the way, remember, he played with Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. He claims, yeah. they kept that shit a secret from me. I wish they had told me. My God, could you imagine Ricky on
0: roids? Oh, baby, look out. <laughs> Hey, he did have 81 leadoff home runs, so he
2: could have yeah. gotten that total. Yeah, but, but he, he was doing that before kind of the steroid era. That would be my argument. Um, but he did play into his mid, early 40s, so.
1: Well, an all-time, all-time leader in runs, in stolen bases, and in caught stealing as well.
0: So I just, I want just to point out, you talked about him being 40 and, and being in the, for the Mets when he was And <clears throat> I think this, you know, this next month, I know Brian, you're celebrating your, uh, your birthday month this month. So happy all early month, birthday baby, all month, <clears throat> all, month. um, mine is next month and uh, I'll be turning uh, the same age. Ricky, uh, was when he batted. 315 for the Mets at age 40.
1: <laughs> so, do you think you could hit
0: 315 down at the park for slow pitch on Friday night? If I was playing down at Ralph Park, I might get to 315. <laughs> but I better hit it in the gap a lot, because I'm not, I'm not as fast as Ricky was at
1: 40. No, not many
0: are. No. That's phenomenal. But, uh, I know you're going to share cards and I shared this one with you guys. The, uh, that was one of my cards, the, the 91 score Ricky with his shirt off and that pose like he was going to take off for second base. And, uh, I just remember as a kid collecting this card thinking that was the coolest card I had that, uh, you just look to talk about Ricky's chiseled body as he's getting uh, ready to take off for second. And, uh, yeah, I think that made talk about, you know, it was a weight room or what. All I remember is getting that card going. All right, I'm going to go home and do some push-ups and sit-ups tonight. So, Don't forget the ice uh, cream. It did have a lasting effect on my physical fitness. <laughs>
2: uh, there's, there's a story about Ricky um, from a couple different sources that say on a daily basis in the locker room, he would stand completely naked in front of a full-body mirror yeah. and just talk to himself and say, Ricky, you're the best. Ricky, you're the best, and just admire his form.
1: Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Right off screen, I got a full length mirror, and I was feeling a little nervous before we went on. I, what do you, I pulled the I pulled the shades shut, and I just psyched myself up a little bit. <laughs> to pump the chest a little bit.
2: Maybe, yeah. maybe that's an episode. We re we recreate that Ricky uh, Henderson card. Each of us. <laughs> we're gonna need a, a um
1: we're gonna need to flag that youtube video as not kid friendly
2: that's right <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey um
2: since i'm we're officially
0: i'm officially four pounds down in the uh post-covid uh quarantine so i will tell you i've been you, doing my best i will tell you
1: i've been checking off some streets on my map and uh we also started with the boys a uh a workout each day, well, I have, I have Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the yard, uh, but I don't own a scale, so I could be up, I could be down, nobody
0: knows. Yeah. You're feeling good. I'm feeling For good. For listeners that don't know, uh, Brian is trying to check off, and to correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, you're trying to check off every road in Fort Atkinson in the city limits uh, by that, the end of the summer?
1: That is correct. I got a, a city map printed off from the city engineer and um, trying, to, trying to get her done in 2020.
2: It's fantastic. By the way, little little side note, uh, you know, we're talking about May 1st, 1991, and today's May 6th. 66 years ago, on May 6th, Roger Bannister was the first human being to break the four-minute mile, which is awfully impressive um, considering he ran on in conditions that are far less advantageous than what you and I would do if we went out to the track tonight. So my question to you is this, if I start a stopwatch and it goes for four minutes, how far do you go? <laughs> um, well,
1: I started in front of Rockwell Elementary School this morning, and I made it to about Madison
0: Avenue in four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I felt really good. I ran three and a half the other day, and I had an 8.30 pace, so I chalked me up for, for almost a half mile. Nice. Roger,
1: Roger Bannister is finishing his second mile when I'm finishing my first. <laughs> so, hey, since we're kind of winding down on Ricky here, I want to, that's my card too. So I want to share that real quick. Um, last week after we did our, our podcast, and I, I knew we were going to kind of start talking about Ricky and and we might want to share cards. I texted one of my uncles in North Dakota who had all of these amazing cards from the early 80s, maybe some of the late 70s um, when we were growing up. That's all I remember doing at Grandma and Grandpa's house is looking at his cards. And I thought this was the Ricky rookie card, but it is not. This is 1982 Topps Ricky Henderson card. Uh, he, sent me, he sent me a picture of this and um, got the front and the back. What's cool is this is the 1982 Topps rookie card. 1982, Ricky stole a major league record, 130 bases. And um, obviously it looks like he's ready to go there. Um, and then just just kind of some neat things looking at the back of the cards, like how random it says, Ken Singleton led the majors with 19 game-winning RBIs in 1980. Well, we're on the back of a Ricky Henderson rookie card, but we're talking about Ken Singleton's
2: um, game-winning RBIs. <laughs> that's uh that's my card there for for the week great what a great uniform i like the stirrups i like the stripes down the pants yeah i uh, like i like the crisp white of that that home uni it's good looking stuff to be honest
1: one of the things that stood out I, i'm glad you said it, is the stripes on the sleeve too yeah and if i remember right i think those just had a big huge a's on the upper left chest maybe
2: <sighs> sounds about right
1: so, yeah. yeah, very, very cool uniforms.
2: I, I, I want to share one other story about Ricky. I mean, Ricky's got so many stories, but there's this one. He's, he's, he's playing in San Diego. I don't remember the year. It's, it's middle '90s somewhere. And it's spring training, and the guys are getting on a bus, and he walks up on the bus. Steve Finley, who's playing for the Padres, is sitting on the bus, and he says to Ricky, hey, Ricky, you've got tenure, man. You can sit wherever you want. Ricky Henderson goes, 10 years. Ricky's been playing for 16 or 17 years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is the same guy who one year received a million dollar bonus from the ball club, and at the end of the fiscal year, the accountant was off by a million dollars and they couldn't figure out where this went. And you know, as I tell my accounting students, it's easier to find big mistakes than little mistakes. Well, they called Ricky. And asked about his million dollar bonus check if he had cashed it yet and he said no
0: i got it framed on the wall right next to me (laughs) so i don't think ricky ricky didn't care about money a whole lot Uh, the other one that i had um, was that ricky would take all of his per diem um money for for either hotels or food or whatever and he would just take the money and he would stick it in an envelope and uh he would just randomly give it out to his children then, whenever they needed money, just tell them to go up and pick an envelope. So, I, I guess I don't know how much was in each envelope, but I think you wanted the, that magic money envelope.
1: You're hoping that you picked the envelope from the long road trip. <laughs> right? Geez, <laughs> I, so, hey. I wonder if that was the same as D3 meal money in the YAC when we got like five bucks getting off the bus in Superior. So <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I did want to you talked ball cards. Um before we wrap up, Ricky, uh, you showed your A's card. Um, unfortunately, I was a young uh ball collector, ball card collector, and um I had a bunch of Oakland A's cards uh, that I threw away. Um because I didn't think there was a team called the A's. They were the athletics, and I was seven, eight years old, and uh I took my whole stack of, of Oakland A's, probably 1980s to 1987. Anyone that said athletics, I saved. Anyone that said the A's, I threw in the garbage. So somewhere in there might have been a Ricky rookie card that I looked up and, and had a price tag of $30,000 last week. Um, but I maybe I'll just pretend like I didn't have that, so I don't have to worry about uh, losing $30,000.
1: If it makes you feel any better, my buddy from Real Bricks says it's all about condition, and yours probably weren't in good condition anyways.
2: No, not at all.
0: (laughs)
1: Brad,
2: Brad, don't go hard on yourself. you got to treat this situation like Ricky treats it. There's this story about him. He strikes out in Seattle. He's on the road. He strikes out. He's walking back to the dugout, and the next guy up is walking past him. The next guy up hears Ricky say to himself, it's all right, Ricky. You're still the best. got to tell yourself that, Brad. You'll be good to go. <laughs> like, hey, that's a walk-off.
0: I think we're good to go to Nolan now. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: <clears throat> All right. Well, also on May 1st, 1991, Nolan Ryan is 43 years old at the time <clears throat> and threw his seventh no-hitter. Uh, he faced the Toronto Blue Jays that day, a pretty good lineup. I'll just read you the top five hitters in the lineup. It was Devon White, Robbie Alomar, Kelly Gruber, Joe Carter, and John Olerud. Nice. No hit that bunch. Um, let's see. He had an okay night. He had two walks, and I, he only struck out 16. <laughs> He, and as I was looking over at Baseball Reference, somebody made a wardrobe change. <laughs> well, Rick
0: we, well we know that uh, Nolan Ryan grew up in uh, Texas and uh, wasn't his best game when he was a senior in high school. Seven inning game, I had 21 strikeouts. So that's, wow. that's
1: okay. That's okay. Wow.
0: Which was his high school record until, in the same week, two. Kids tied the record from the same team, so he's now the uh, co-strikeout uh, leader of his high school for single game, seven-inning game with 21 strikeouts. Wait, wow. two kids on his team tied it? Well, his high school.
2: Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's impressive. Wow.
0: Well, um, we all
2: know he could throw strikeout. I mean, we all know he's the strikeout king. Um, he, he's incredible. And, and we tend to celebrate the 20 strikeout games, right? A guy, a guy gets 20 strikeouts in a game the big, in the bigs, that's a big, big deal. Um, while looking through Nolan's numbers, I was astonished to see that he had four 19 strikeout games. I mean, he's on the precipice. Can you imagine if he has four 20 strikeout games, seven no hitters? Unbelievable. And, by the way, um,
1: talk about 19 strikeout games. <clears throat> he had 12 one hitters. I mean, it's already on un- otherworldly, but four 19 strikeout games and 12 one hitters.
2: Right, right. In, 19, in 1973, he breaks the single season record for strikeouts at 383. My favorite part about that season is this he's going into his final start of the year. Sandy Koufax is the season leader, all time leader in strikeouts. And Nolan Ryan is 15 strikeouts behind him in his final start of the season. Nolan strikes out 16 <laughs> to get the record. And, and that year, just, just to
1: talk about what a workhorse he was, that year he threw 326 innings and the next year, 332 innings. Right. I mean, it's an accomplishment now, and guys are getting big, huge bonuses if they throw 200 innings in a season. Right. <clears throat>
2: and to show his dominance um, relative to other pitchers in 1973, league average in 1973 is just over five strikeouts per nine innings. Nolan is over 10 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Just phenomenal numbers when you compare him to his
1: peers. Um, in, nine, in nine of his seasons, he averaged over 10 strikeouts per nine innings. Right. In
2: two of them, he was over 11. Which makes me wonder, if you take Nolan Ryan and you drop him into today's major leagues, what does he do? Because the batters are striking out at double the rate today that they were in 1973. Yeah. Double the rate. And I don't think that's because I don't think that's necessarily because the pitching is is twice as good as it was in 1973. It's 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 because of the way their their mindset coming to the plate is. Um, I think he would be head and tails dominant.
1: Well, I I think velocity nowadays as a whole is up. But you're right that the approach at the plate is there isn't an approach other than
0: try and drop bombs swing hard three times and you might get lucky once just in case they throw it into your bat yep yeah
1: (laughs) um i did a little research going back through his seven no hitters and looking at who he faced in the lineups um and he faced some hall of famers um you know he he threw one against the twins where he faced Rod Carew and, and Harmon Killebrew came off the bench. Harmon Killebrew actually walked in that game. He was 0 for 0. Um, he faced um, Brooks Robinson in a game. Uh, he did face Ricky Henderson, Roberto Alomar. Uh, but the one that stood out to me, just this statistical oddity, in 1981, he was thrown for Houston now, and he beat L.A. 5-0, through a no-hitter, 11 strikeouts, 3 walks. But in the lineup for the Dodgers that day was four future managers. Uh, Davey Lopes was 0 for 3 with two strikeouts. Dusty Baker was 0 for 4 with a strikeout. Mike Socha 0 for 3 with two strikeouts. And Ron Raneke 0 for 3 but didn't strike out. So four future managers.
0: (laughs) I never knew they were all on the same team at the same time.
1: Yeah, kind of cool. Super cool. Kind of cool. Now I want to
0: know who their manager was.
1: Oh, boy. Um, so you want me to get onto the baseball <laughs> reference machine?
0: <laughs> no, that's fine. Not worth it.
2: By the way, we can tie Ricky and Nolan together in more ways than just May 1st, 1991. Ricky Henderson just happens to be Nolan Ryan's 5,000th strikeout. Okay. okay. It's kind of the way it works. I was going
0: with they both married their uh, high school sweethearts.
2: Oh, nice.
1: And and I was going to go with not only is Nolan Ryan the all-time strikeout leader and Ricky Henderson the all-time stolen base leader but Nolan Ryan's also the all-time walk leader and Ricky all-time caught stealing leader.
2: <laughs> sure. So For sure.
1: They both fired a I lot guess. of bullets. Yeah. Um I've got two other Nolan Ryan stories if you guys want to want to hear them.
2: Let's hear them. Absolutely.
1: Let me find let me find here. Uh, trying to work through my my Zoom capabilities here. <clears throat> In 1993, maybe Nolan Ryan's 46, right? And Robin Ventura is 26. And I think you guys know where I'm going with this. Oh yeah. Um, well, let's just let's just see if we can figure out where we're going here. <laughs> Can you guys see that on my screen right now?
2: Yeah, it looks good. Oh. All right. Here's Ventura, RBI single in the first, watch out. Look at this. I have to say, I love the two to three steps down towards first base, and then it's like a 90 degree turn towards the mound. I don't think he really wanted to go out. I mean, you think he was was told to go out by a a veteran on the team and you get plunked and you go? Well, I I feel
1: like I've read something about them. Either these two teams or Nolan Ryan, there had been some bad blood that year and it was decided that you're going out. Um, It was almost like, Oh no, I have to do this. (laughs) And Ryan throws his glove down He's like, "All right, come get it." Um, but the coolest story that I found this week looking at this was Robin Ventura had played on the u s. Olympic team prior to becoming major leaguer. Well that night in Texas, the current Olympians were in attendance. <clears throat> and before the game, they had asked, hey, Robin, would you, uh, would you just mind saying something to these guys? You know, they're probably all D1 guys who dream of being Major League Baseball players. And so he comes out into the tunnel and he meets them and he talks to them for a couple of minutes. And um, it made a lasting impression on probably all of them. But one of those guys ended up being a big league ball player, a guy by the name of Paul Canerco. And I believe Paul Canerco probably ended up playing for Robin Ventura when he managed the White Sox. But Canerco swears that Ventura talked to them about sportsmanship. (laughs) 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 And he said, we're sitting in the bleachers and the same guy starts the biggest brawl ever two hours after he talked to us. Ventura doesn't recall the conversation at all, but that's uh that's apparently how that all went down that night
0: <laughs> well it's not it's not not sportsmanship you your teammates you're just sticking up for your teammates and uh trying to do what's best for the team it's the, the baseball unwritten rules
2: there's a and lot of, there's a lot of them there's a lot and of them. sometimes they um sometimes they only work in certain circumstances so you can do certain things sometimes, and other times you can't. <laughs> right. and, and I can ask Brad, and he'll say, yeah, go ahead and do it. And I'll ask Brad, no, don't do it.
1: <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, speaking of, of uh, Noel and Ryan, and this is kind of out of left field, I just remembered it, uh, never had a 20 strikeout game. The Kerry Wood game was today. Oh, okay. Um, cool. And the whole unwritten rules thing brought something up to me. They were interviewing current Cubs, about how they think they would have done that day. And while it wasn't a no hitter that day, um, somebody said, I, I would have punched out three times. I probably would have tried to bunt, uh, which is obviously a no-no in the middle of a, of a no hitter. Yep. So um, yeah, that was today. Saw some highlights of that. Uh, my other story with with Nolan Ryan is the the bloody lip um, where he's he's throwing, and he looks like this. Um, What happened was he took a comeback ground ball from Bo Jackson off the lip, obviously shook it off, got blood everywhere, and threw five or six more innings. That happened in the second inning. Um, In looking for this picture, I've seen a lot of them signed by Nolan Ryan. This one just so happens to also be signed by Bo Jackson with an arrow towards the blood on his lip. Oh, so yeah, okay, that's awesome.
2: That's terrific. And I
1: believe that was probably at some point in
0: his 40s as well. Terrific. Well, he, well, he did a uh, pitch to age 46, had a just unbelievable career. But when you look at 27 years in the major leagues, he made 25, just over 25 and a half million dollars. Which, don't get me wrong, that's I'll take 25 and a half million dollars anytime. But in comparison, Ricky Henderson. Cards. Who
1: you might be about, there already.
0: Right, <laughs> Ricky Henderson, who played 25 seasons over about the same time frame. Forty-four and a half million dollars. He was almost wow. double, twenty million dollars more um, than Nolan Ryan um, for the Interesting. same <laughs> span of time. So, By the... I, I guess that daily player and uh, and Brian asked about what does that look like today if Nolan was playing today? Um, I think those numbers would probably be reversed, where Nolan would be making a heck of a lot more money than uh, the leadoff hitter is.
2: Yeah. For sure. But Nolan Nolan was the first guy to get a 1 million dollar per year contract. He got that when he went from um the Angels to, to the Houston Asheros in the early 80s. Now, he's, he's the OB's first million dollar man.
1: And I I believe Ricky set a salary record to um I seem to remember Kirby Puckett became the first $3 million man, and within a matter of, I think it was less than a day, Ricky had topped that at like three point something. Mm. Um, Probably in the early
0: 90s or late 80s would be
1: my guess when that was.
0: 3.25 million in 1991. Okay. Okay. Um, Hmm. Other interesting box scores on May 1st,
2: 1991. Well, there's a really, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I thought I, I, I thought you were asking a question, but um, I don't have a box score from May 1st, 1991, but I have a box score from May 2nd, 1939. Okay. And that's the first Yankees box score since 1925 where Lou Gehrig isn't in the lineup. Um, so right around May 1st, 1939. He pulls himself out, and his streak comes to a close. So, sorry to interrupt.
1: No, and I, I think if I remember right, never played again. Is that accurate?
2: uh you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, Brian. Okay. Um, and and that speech
1: was quite a bit more humble when he retired than than Ricky's was.
2: Right. <laughs> you you mean when when Lou Gehrig um. Got his 3,000 hit. I don't know if he has 3,000 hits. I feel like he does. I don't know if he does or not. If Lou Gehrig had his, th- his 3,000 hit, he didn't circle the bases and slide into home plate like Ricky Henderson did. Ricky and Henderson old. hit a home run for his 3,000 hit, And he circled the bases, and he slid. Oh, I'm sorry. Not just for an uh, unscoring record. My bad. I feel like that. No, but I think what you're talking about, I think Wade
1: Boggs did that. Hmm. Okay.
2: Four of all
1: teams, the Tampa Bay Rays, I believe? Yep. So, so six people uh, saw it live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> live. We went over that last week. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, it's going to be similar to the 2020 season.
1: Yeah, it's man, right. amen. Amen. Um, okay, so just two, two quick box scores that I think stood out to me. Um, really, there's probably three. I don't know where we're at on time if we're getting a little long winded here, but Um, Nolan Ryan went and threw a no-hitter. That night, my twins beat the White Sox 1-0 with six total hits in the game. Scott Erickson threw a complete game, two hitters. So we were close to two no-hitters in the major leagues that night. And then just the opposite that night, the White Sox and the Brewers hooked up in a 19 inning, oh. 10 to 9 Brewers win. The Brewers had 18 hits and the White Sox 19 hits. Both teams scored three runs in the 15th inning to keep things going. Um, so just a little bit of oddity in terms of uh, both ends of the spectrum there across Major League Baseball that night. Um,
0: Yeah. Nobody had a dinner date that night. So it it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be happening on Sunday night with the, uh, the last dance coming up now. So I think everybody's clearing their schedules to, uh, to finish up watching the last dance of the next two uh, episodes coming. But I think we were talking the other day, um, Hey, what sports team would you love to see a 10-part series? We know that Last Dance is going to come with 10 episodes, 10 hours of content. It's not just a 30-for-30 one-hour special, but um, what season or what sports team do you want to see that in-depth run with um, looking at, um, you know, 10 hours of content?
1: Okay, so real quick, can I just touch on a 30-for-30 I heard about today? Absolutely. Sometime in June, ESPN is going to release a 30-for-30 30 30 about McGuire and Sosa and the 98 home run chase. Nice.
0: So we got something That's to look stuff. forward to there. Um, I think it's sponsored by Stein <laughs> And Belco. Uh, Belco's got it.
1: Oh, we got to get some of the That's Belco be- money to promote the podcast.
0: I, that was just that was such a great season, and, and we'll get into that, I'm sure, later. Just the fact that news channels and, and TV stations were cutting into live baseball games to, to watch that next at bat. And all of a sudden, you'd cut out and you'd watch that at bat, and then you'd be so disappointed if there wasn't a home run.
1: And we all pretended that we didn't know what was going on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, all right. So what's your, what's your, you're going to get in 10 hours, 10 episodes in depth. Who do you want to see? Oh,
2: you go I, first. I'm, I want to see 10 episodes of macho row. Macho row was the nickname of the 1993 Philadelphia Phillies. In okay. 1992, in 1992, they finished dead last in 1993. They go to the World Series, and they take a great Blue Jays team to six games with a, fan, a fantastic ending to a World Series. Um, but the team is full of characters and oddballs and lots of mullets and a conservative Curt Schilling. Um, lots of good, interesting stories going on there. Was Lenny Dykstra on that team? He was
1: center field. Okay, and we had Darren Dalton. and um... Darren Dalton. Darren Dalton's
2: catching. John Crux playing first base. John Crook. Is Darren Dalton still alive? No, he, he had cancer, I think, about 10 years ago and passed away.
1: And I want to say that Lenny Dykstra maybe took care of his wife at one point in time. She was a Hooters girl. Um, there's, that sounds like Lenny. It, it kind
2: of does, doesn't it? <laughs> Don't leave I your money that, or your women around Lenny. Lenny might still be in prison right now. Um, he he got in trouble. He owned part of a car dealership in California. He was doing something illegal with money. Who knows? It's Lenny,
1: but Shocker. I think it'd be
2: a I think it'd be a great ten <laughs> part series.
1: Well, you could you could do three episodes just on somebody we haven't
2: even talked about yet. Mitch Williams. There you go. Wild thing, Mitch Williams. Absolutely, one of the mullets. At one of the mullets. Um, mine
1: Chuck was such an interesting guy. Yes. In more ways than one. In
2: 1992, uh, Dale Murphy came over and played for the Phillies. And John Crux said something along the lines of, we are 24 morons and one Mormon. And I think that (laughs) continues into the 1993. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
1: that's about a decade and a half before the Red Sox were – whatever uh, Johnny Damon call him, a bunch of idiots or something. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, no, I don't I, think that, uh, that Phillies team doesn't get a lot of publicity, but I think you're right. When you, when you look back at history and uh, the characters on that team, that would be a good, uh, good run up to that point. And the kicker is you'd never get that footage because nobody knew they were going to be great like that. And so there's probably a lot of uh, stories untold or not documented because just, you know, that, that wasn't then at the time. I
2: think that's team what team you got, I, Brian?
1: My team would have been the early 90s Cowboys.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, Love it. They, they won three Super Bowls. I believe they lost another NFC title game. Uh, but they – just all of the personalities, uh, all the pro bowlers, um, Deion Sanders coming in and Deion doesn't practice and Deion doesn't tackle anybody. And Deion has people. because does. Uh, we got Nate Newton and Leon let uh, Charles Haley. Um, Troy Aikman. One thing I didn't realize, I went back and there's a book Jeff Perlman wrote boys will be boys. And I went back and read a couple of chapters of that. And, They went from Jimmy Johnson at the beginning of that to Barry Switzer. I didn't realize they all pretty much thought Barry Switzer was an idiot. Yes. And Barry Switzer started some – Barry Switzer, a white guy, started a racial divide between Troy and a lot of the black players on the roster, it sounds like. Um, But then all of the off-field stuff, they they had – a place called the white house um very close to the practice facility the one of the chapters in the book had just a a quick quote from nate newton to start the chapter it says we've got a little place over here where we're running some whores in and out trying to be responsible and we're criticized for that too (laughs) (laughs) that was responsible for those early
0: 90s cowboys Well, you had Jimmy Johnson running the team, who said on multiple occasions, he had different sets of rules for different sets of players. If you were this upper echelon player, you could, Michael Irvin got away with anything Michael Irvin wanted to get away with because he had game on the field. But if you were a backup left guard and you did half the things Michael Irvin did, you would be... Goodbye and bring it in somebody else. So, Shocker, who was Michael Irving's
1: college coach? <laughs>
2: right.
1: right. Jimmy Johnson. <laughs>
2: so, well, well, yeah. what, that would be a great series to watch. I'm not sure there's a football team I disliked more than the early 90s Cowboys as a, as a Packer fan in yeah. uh, Wisconsin. Just drove me bananas.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I, I, I think, Brian, when I, when I asked that question, my knee-jerk was, you know, as a, a Packer fan, I'd say, hey, I w- I'd really like to know the behind-the-scenes of those mid-'90s Packers teams. You know, you hear all those uh, stories, and, um, and though, know, as, as a whole, the Cowboys for sure. I did think about, though, the U, you know, going back to those Miami teams as well, those Jimmy Johnson-Miami teams uh, might be a good – a good watch as well. I don't know if you could spring together those 10 episodes, but uh, I'm sure if you dug deep enough, there'd be some good stuff down there too.
1: And I think there's a two or three part 30 for 30 on the U. Yeah. That's pretty but good. The problem with the Packers is you would have to like go to high school proms and sit in the hot tub with cameras. and <laughs> oh, Mark oh, boy. <laughs> so I don't think – I don't think they can show that. It'd have to be on a different channel. Oh, <laughs> boy, oh, boy. I had
0: to go there. You know this. <laughs> Vikings guy-ish, yeah. Hey,
2: the Vikings have had some of their issues, too, Brian. There's a few boat rides I think that I've heard about. <laughs> the love
0: boat. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right.
1: <laughs> oh. Oh. All right. Well, that was a, uh, a much quicker episode, I-, I think. I don't know. We don't have the clock running. But um, we, would, we would like to thank our sponsor tonight. Tonight's sponsor is Riddell's Roadhouse, and they can be found on Facebook. They are now open for curbside and driveway pickup as well as driveway dice. So please support our sponsor, Riddell's <laughs> You can also email us at freshmanparkinglotgmail.com. At you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Freshman Parking Lot on YouTube. This uh, video should be up tomorrow. You can also follow us on Twitter at Frosh Parking Lot. And that was our show. Thanks for tuning in. We can't wait to see you again next week. <laughs>
0: Each screen is warm, believe me this chick's no sin, but I'd rather get her going, and then I give out my big 10-inch, red a band that plays the blues, with a band that plays the blues, she just love my big 10-inch record of her favorite blues.